0: If you're anything like me, it's hard to fully grasp the glory and majesty of God. When I read passages like Revelation 4, I feel a little overwhelmed. Does anybody else feel a little overwhelmed? Okay, good, because I'm not alone. <laughs> uh, we're in this together. Um, I guess I don't have a context for that kind of that kind of environment or that kind of scene. I don't. It's not, it's not where I live on 479 Elderberry in Oak Harbor, right? It's not where we live. It's not, it's not where we work. It's hard to comprehend. And maybe, maybe you know, the, the real question that, that comes up when you read something like this is, what, what do you have to have to have a heart that like those, like those creatures and like the 24 elders, what do you have to have to praise God like that? It seems like something out of a sci-fi movie or like a Marvel, a Marvel movie or something, doesn't it? It sounds amazing. But what does it mean? Well, we're going to find out this morning. Or I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna try to explain the journey that I've been on. And just for the record, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I'm unqualified to, to even unpack this fully. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will... Empower me to, and we'll speak to you. When I think about, after reading Revelation 4, and when I think about that, that question of what does it take to praise God like that, I'm like, I'm so convicted on the inside. Like, this isn't present in my life. It isn't present in my life. Like, I don't wake up in the morning just going, holy. Holy, holy. You know, I just don't. What what and I and I wrestled with this and I, just, I was asked talking to the Lord, I'm saying, how do I how do I get there? Or how do I even I, and he said to me, It's a process. Let me let me show you somebody who I think will give you some context as to what that process looks like. And he took me to the life of David. And Psalm 51. And, 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 and in this psalm, David writes a, a song, a praise to God. It includes the word confession. He's confessing and praising God at this kind of mingled together. And this, and this might help us answer what, what it is. Why, why do we not have a context for that kind of praise in our life? Why? What is it, that, what is it that, that mires us and slows us and, and, and keeps us from seeing clearly how to praise God? Perfect. Psalm 51. Oh, and I, and I will say this. David, just to give you some context on the psalm. David cries out to God in Psalm 51. After God has confronted him for adultery, then an unplanned pregnancy because of the adultery then he tried to cover it up with with the, the gal's husband which failed and then ultimately led to the husband's death and some some other innocent soldiers in the king's army it's pretty serious stuff right david was a sinner just like you and me let's read psalm 51 Blot out my iniquity, created me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. I'm gonna quickly try to break this down for you as I got it. In verses one and two, David asked for mercy from God on the basis of God's unfailing love and great compassion. He asked him would he blot out his transgressions. Well, the word transgression means to break the law, right? And he's specifically talking about the law that God gave Moses. Maybe you've heard of it, it's called the 10 Commandments, right? He's he's asking God to remove the guilt of his transgressions. He asks him to wash away his iniquity. Iniquity are acts of gross injustice and wickedness. Have you ever done something that you're not excited to tell people about? And and then he says to cleanse him from his sin. Sin is the thing that separates you and I from God. God. That's what sin is. In verse three, David says he knows or recognizes that he turned his back on God, on God's law, and sees, even feels, the separation between himself and God. Have you ever felt like there's a, there's a gap between you and God? I have. Even, not today, thankfully. <laughs> but I did yesterday. And every day, really? Really? Right? We're all cut from the same stuff. In verse four, David confesses again to his, to his sin, in, 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 or confesses again his sin to the supremacy of God as the only righteous judge of this world. He knows we're all sinners before a holy God. Does that mean he doesn't have to ask for forgiveness from the people he sinned against? No. No, that's coming, and a bucket load of consequences that are going to follow him. But before God, where he's guilty, that's what he's, he's, he's talking to God. He's trying to clear his slate to the one who is going to judge him, who's the only righteous judge of this world. In verses 5 and 6, David acknowledges the sinful condition that we were conceived in and and God's desire to restore our relationship with himself since our conception. Did you know that? Did you know that even though we were all conceived in sin, God has longed for his relationship with you to be restored. That's why he's the God of unfailing love and great compassion. He knows what you're up against. In verses seven and nine, Uh, David describes that only God has the power to make him clean and with that healing comes joy and gladness. When was the last time you, you felt joy and gladness in his presence? Maybe there's some things that need to get cleaned up on the inside. Then the familiar verses of 10 and 11, I'm sure some of you have heard that before where David exclaims that God has the power to transform his heart. And Shirley just talked about this a couple of weeks ago and thank you very much. It's amazing how that helped me. Because it starts in the heart and David says it right here. He says, only God, you only have the power to transform my heart. Where there is corruption, God can purify and he has the power to renew also his spirit you're in the and the kind of the definition for that is giving him a firm and unwavering desire to follow God. Do you know that you can't do that yourself? You can't do that yourself. If you try to do that yourself, you will it's like banging your head against the wall. Right? You need God's help to do that. He made it that way. Quit banging your head against the wall. <laughs> And this is all possible because of the presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit in in David's life and in ours. And he knows without the Holy Spirit, transformation is impossible. So if you don't know, understand the ministry and and the person of the Holy Spirit, I'd look into that. David says in verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me And I'm just gonna write. I'm just gonna read to you what I wrote because I don't know that I could. I'd mess this up. And I and I when I read that, this is where it came to roost for me. Do you wake up every day and see yourself in such a way where you're like, God, thank you for saving me. Do you remember what it's like? What it was like when God met you for the first time or when you acknowledge for the first time and confess that you needed him and he came and met you. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Show us again, Lord. Remind us of where we came from and where you found us. It's so easy to forget in the steady pace of this life what you've done for us Jesus, we need you to give us your willing spirit to sustain us, to help us remember who we are today and what you've done for us and how you continue to love and guide us. In verse 13, David says that he will teach his fellow lawbreakers about you. I think these two things are connected. I think the minute you forget that you're a sinner, and you've been saved by the grace and love of God, it makes it awfully hard to tell other people and care for other people and wanna draw them to the same love and grace that you've received. Those two things are connected. I know this is a problem for me, but David says that he'll, if, if God does these things, he will teach his fellow lawbreakers about God. And they will turn back to him. Do you think God is glorified, praised, and pleased when this happens? Do you think he is? Some of you are not nodding your head. (laughs) The answer is yes. He's very pleased when this happens. Friends, when we see that God has delivered us, when we see what God has delivered us from, and we tell others how his love and grace transforms our hearts and our minds. And our neighbors see over time that we mess up, right? When we live out, when we live out this process in the midst of an audience of people in our lives and we, and we screw it up and God comes and loves us anyway and, and, and they see this transaction of, of God's love and grace in our lives, what do you think happens to them? And Jesus just keeps coming to continue to restore and change us. They will turn to God. They'll find his unfailing love and great compassion friends. And, and if, you get, if you miss, any, if you miss this, the whole point of this thing, listen to this. Because you need to get this. I, I needed this. Us being sinners and God loving us anyway is our witness. And it brings glory and praise to Him. It's designed that way. It's not how good we look, it's not our Facebook page, right? Our Instagram. It's not all the things that we've that we've done and the good things, you know, that 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 God has blessed us with. It's not those things. It's not about religiosity because you go to church and because, you know, I, I think sometimes, and I've felt this way, I, I think there's some, a self-righteousness that takes place where you start to look at people who are outside the church because you've been walking with God so long, you're like, oh, those poor suckers. <laughs> like, if they'd only get it, if, you know, right? We judge. God, forgive us. It's how we own the sin in our heart and keep coming back to God's unfailing love and great compassion that glorifies the name of Jesus. When we connect with God and one another, growing in loving one another and community here at Living Word, and in in the process serve this city, that brings praise to God. David goes on to say in verses 14 and 15, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Friends, God's deliverance in our lives brings forth praise. When you know what God has done for you, you can't help yourself but praise him. Here's here's something that helped me kind of grasp it. If, you have, if you've ever been a slave or in bondage to any manner of things in your life, and somebody comes, it doesn't have to be God, but I think it was probably, I would always give credit to God. It's a safe, it's a safe approach. But somebody comes and helps you, right? And, and you, get out of that, you get out of that space, right? And then walks with you to show you the way to help others be set free in that same manner, right? This is happening all over there's tons of nonprofits that are like this, right? Wouldn't you be so thankful? And wouldn't you point others to the one who helped you? That's what David's saying. For those of us who are religious in the room and I am I am I am religious. who are working hard to do what we think is right, trying to earn God's favor. I'm so guilty of this sometimes. It's the Catholics. I was being raised in the Catholic church. No, I'm just kidding. It's my, it's, it's, it's in us, right? It's, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm trying to figure this thing out, but I'm doing it my own way, doggone it, and I'm gonna work hard at it. Uh, David says this in verses 16 and 17, you, God, Do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. It's not about what we do, friends. It's not about anything like that. God wants our hearts we're not working our way out of this situation. We're not. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pull the curtain back all the way. You can, you can keep wearing yourself out. You're, it's not gonna get you anywhere. Just get you real tired. He wants us to own who we are and the things we've done and are going to do because God knows it's a process and he'll walk us through it until this life ends. Let's own our stuff before the Lord. He has before and will again help us because he's a good father. So that's the individual path of living a life of praise. But what about the church? How does that apply to all of us sitting here today and around the world and all that stuff as a whole? Same thing. Just more people. Listen to how Peter describes it in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him, now follow this, who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God wants our lives on display he wants to show people through your brokenness and your pain and your sin, he wants you to do, go through this process of coming to him and letting him clean you up, right? It's just like the kid, I remember when we, our kids were little and they'd go out and play in the yard, they come in filthy dirty and you got to strip them down, you got to wash them off, right? God wants to do that in our lives every day. And that is our testimony to this world, to the praise of God's glory and grace, All right, since we started with David, we're gonna finish with him. And in my opinion, I'm a little biased. David's one of my heroes of scripture. I think he lived a life of praise and was rightly described as a man after God's heart. And obviously God said that, so I'm I'm gonna go on that side of it. Uh, But I I wanna fast forward from from Psalm 51 and, and this great moral failure in his life, multiple moral failures, multiple And I want to take you to the end of his life when he stands before the nation of Israel um, in 1 Chronicles 29, 1 through 20. And, And you're just going to have to read along with me because it says it best. And David has assembled all Israel to share the plan he's laid out to build God's temple. Starting in verse 1. Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced the task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord God. With all my resources I have provided for the temple of my God, gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for, for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, and all these in large quantities. Besides In my devotion to the temple of God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple, 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of refined silver, for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel, the Gershonite. And people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. Let me just say that one again. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. David learned something, didn't he? All these things I have given you willingly and with honest intent... And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in our hearts, or in the hearts of your people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided Then David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and King. I have some really cool statistics about how much, just put it this way, the gold alone, if you added up the gold in today's current market value, $18 $18,614,377,644 of gold, just the gold, okay? It was something like, I don't know how many dump truck loads. Like, because a dump truck holds like, yeah, it's crazy, man. Anyway, side note, rabbit trail. But notice the the culmination of David's life, okay? Since Psalm 51. Look at the culmination of his life. Look at what God did because he understood the process. The reason why he was a man after his heart is because he dealt with his heart before God. He knew who he was and he knew who God was and what he was capable of. And then look at how it affected his community. You think, you think like a guy like that, because let me tell you, when he, when he fell like he did, everybody knew about it, right? Everybody knew about it. And I'm sure some people lost respect for him. But he held on to, to God's provision of, of healing his heart, right? And he testified. When he testifies in Psalm 51, he is testifying to the world that God has the power to, to love anybody in any circumstance. His, his unfailing love and great compassion It's always that's that's what counts, and I'm just going to close with this. And and uh, um, yeah, whoever's coming forward, come on forward. I can't think of it. I can't think of the words. Yeah, worship team. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, come on forward, (laughs) friends. If we can be honest with ourselves and with God today, and and we can expose our hearts. If we, if we really want to learn what it means to live a life of praise, you're going to have to expose your heart. You're going to have to own the things on the inside that we don't want people to know. And honestly, if we all do that together, it's going to be great because who, who are we going to glorify we're not going to glorify ourselves, right? We're going to glorify the one who has loved us anyway. If we recognize God's willingness and ability to transform our hearts and minds because of his unfailing love and great compassion for us, we can rejoice and praise God for his salvation and ongoing transformation in our lives. And what should happen is we'll want to tell others about what God has done for us. We wanna tell our story of how God has loved us when we didn't deserve it. And friends, if we do those things, if we leverage, if we connect, grow and serve and we tell that story and we leverage our money, which is really isn't ours, right? David pretty much spelled that out. We leverage the things that God's given us, money, time, talents, to love God, our families, our friends, our neighbors, and this community. We will see the kingdom of God come on this earth. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to see that. We will see it come down on this earth to the praise, to the honor, and to the glory of his name. Amen? Amen.